now here's your host, Gabriel Rutledge. Holy shit, it's another podcast. Solo podcast. Um, well, I guess my co-host is Kirkland Signature Canadian Whiskey. Hi, I'm comedian and podcaster Gabriel Rutledge. I couldn't do it without Kirkland Signature Canadian Whiskey. It's pretty good. All right, they're not a sponsor yet, but I, you know, I'm going to act like they are. I don't, um, I don't think I'm an alcoholic. And that's how I would open uh, at my first AA meeting. I'm here against my will. Yes, I got in a car accident. It has nothing to do with the alcohol. Um, No, I I don't. I don't. um, I was doing a joke about this for uh, a minute. It's actually something I messaged to uh, my pal Casey McLean. Well, I'm on his podcast this week, next week, and the week after. Because uh, he recorded our car ride to a gig in Arlington, Washington. Against my will, he will be hearing from my legal team, Kirkland Signature Lawyers. They're pretty good. No, he told me. Um, you know, um, he's desperate for content. And um, <laughs> I was happy to help. I should have I done my own recording of our car ride and put it out on my stupid podcast. But anyway... Um, we were talking about drinking in uh, uh, our instant, our uh, Facebook messaging. And we've both agreed, Casey and I, that like, we really have to maintain um, our friendship because so many incriminating things are in our Facebook message history. Uh, things that must never be spoken. That actually makes it sound worse than it is. Just a lot of shit talking about people we don't want to know we're shit talking about them. Um, and I don't even feel that bad about it because, uh, that's the circle of shit. Someone, it's someone shit talking about me in their, uh, Facebook messages with someone else. You know, it happens. Uh, but Casey and I were talking about drinking and I said, I don't think I have a drinking problem. I think I drink a reasonable amount of alcohol an unreasonable amount of times. And then I thought, oh, that's kind of a funny line. Uh, I'll put, I'm going to try that on stage. And so I did. I was like, you know, I'm not blacking out. I'm not making bad decisions. I just drink a reasonable amount of alcohol an unreasonable amount of times. First time I tried it, I got an applause break. Um, which I don't, I don't know why comedians call it applause breaks. It's just applause, but. I guess it's a break because you got to stop talking because they're applauding. But so first time out of the gate, applause break. Looks like old road hack Rutledge got himself a new bit. I said to myself. Next time I tried it, eh, not an applause break, but still decent. Third time I tried it, nothing. Fourth time I tried it, crickets. Fifth time I tried it, a baby died. It just got worse and worse and worse. And I don't even do it anymore. And that's why comedy sucks and I hate it.
It's it's the worst. Was I lucky that night because it was a per- the first night? Was I lucky because it was a particularly hot crowd and they would have laughed at anything? Did I deliver it with new joke energy that I've yet to recreate? Um, I decided uh, after I tried it a handful of times, I just got lucky. Maybe I'll bring it back at some point, but comedy is, uh, it's, uh, you know, you're like a detective in the sense that you're, you're always investigating something that went wrong. You know, you don't, you don't invest, detectives don't get called in, uh, for not murder. They're only there when there's a problem. And that's what it's like to be in a comedian. You're like, what happened? Let me put the pieces together. Oh, I know. The first time I said it, I said, I drank a reasonable amount of alcohol an unreasonable amount of times. That's the proper enunciation for laughter. The second time I said it, I said a reasonable amount of alcohol an unreasonable amount of times. See, I didn't hit the syllables hard enough. That's probably what the problem is. Then the third time I go, an unreasonable amount of alcohol. You know, it's... It's stupid. You're 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 talking about syllables and 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 which part of the word uh, you you pronounce with more emphasis. You can really drive yourself crazy. Um, and that's why eventually I just pull back and I go, "It's not supposed to be this hard. It's not my job to fix things. It's my job to write funny things, not just write shit and then try and fix it." But think about that in any any phrase. You know, if the phrase was, I dropped my phone, if that was your big punchline uh, for your big hilarious comedy routine, I dropped my phone. Are you Gabriel, I dropped my phone, Rutledge? Yes, that's me. That was a long time ago. Thanks for remembering. You could say, I dropped my phone. You could say, I dropped my phone. You could say, my phone, I dropped it. You could. You could say, my phone, I dropped it. You could say any of those things, and one of them is probably the funniest way to say it. And you can drive yourself absolutely bonkers uh, trying to figure out the most comedic way to say something instead of just kind of pulling back and being like, I shouldn't have to sell this that hard. You know? It's, that's, you know, I enjoy that part about writing, like when I'm writing a book, I enjoy that more because it's kind of up to the reader. It's not bombing. If you're trying to write something written that people are going to read, you guys know what writing is. Uh, it does. It's not the same. It's not like, oh, I've read two paragraphs without getting a laugh. This author's bombing. You're just reading. You know, and I, I I appreciate that. Although I, I also you know there's, I'm kind of uh, neck deep in, uh, I don't know what the word is, editing, rewriting things, fixing, uh, the book I wrote during the course of 2020, and um, it's just it's too much, you know. There was five and a half years in between my first and second child. There was ten years in between my writing of my books, and it's for the same reason. Uh, 
It was so fucking hard the first time. We needed a lot of time off. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just really hard. And you hit these points, uh, where you're reading things and rereading things so much and, you know, trying to, uh, punch them up a little bit and take stuff out and, oh God, that doesn't make sense. And you just hit this point eventually where you're like, this sucks. This is a shitty book. And I might be right. Uh, I hope not. But it's just, you lose all sense of uh, the original thought you had. You lose all sense of uh, what it all means. The, you know, the 90th time you wrote it, then rewrote it, then read it. and You know. So I am kind of, I'm knee deep in that. Well, I used to be neck deep. Now I'm knee deep. But I'm losing my mind. I'm losing my mind. Uh, having to read my own stupid words over and over again. My point is, I don't have a drinking problem. I drink a reasonable amount of alcohol an unreasonable amount of times. I think that's the right way to say it. It is kind of a weird system, though, where um, if you say to someone, if someone says to you, do you have a drinking problem? And you go, no. Then they're like, wow, denial. <laughs> so let me ask you again. Do you have a drinking problem? Well, yes, I guess. Good. Acceptance is the key. Like, what, what kind of system is this? But I do, I find myself saying things that let me know alcohol is probably a little bit too important in my life. Um, for instance, when I poured myself a uh, Kirkland Signature Canadian whiskey, it's pretty good. Uh, I said to myself, uh, I don't, I haven't had anything to drink in five days. I don't think you're supposed to know that. <laughs> I don't think you're supposed to keep the meter going. Where you go, like, I earned this one. I haven't had a drink in five days. Actually, no. well, I'm redoing the math. It was four days, but so I was wrong. Oh, that's right. I had some this morning. No, whatever, four or five days. My point is, you're not supposed to, like, that doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem totally healthy. Uh, I noticed alcoholics, um, they also know exactly how much they drank. Like people who just party occasionally. They're like, how much did you drink last night? Like, I don't even know. We switched to Jaeger and I don't even know. Ask an alcoholic. And they're like, uh, it's, I had three shots of Jack, like seven beers. And then we had a tequila. And when I went home, uh, all they had left was rum. So I had one. Like, they know exactly how many drinks they had at all times. That's pretty drunk. I had nine drinks. <laughs> you keep a tally going? How do you know? I guess that is the alcohol advantage over 
marijuana, though. Is, you know, you know what a container of alcohol is. If you say I had five beers, you know what that means. You say you say you had two shots of tequila, you know what that means. Marijuana, it's like I had one hit. Well, you know, one man's little puff is another man's long drag. You know, it's not uh, it's not an accepted uh, measurement that means a hit. And also, you know, you never drink a Michelob Ultra and go like, holy shit, this one's a strong one. I'm used to my, my regular Michelob Ultra. I, <laughs> I got my Michelob Ultra from a different store, and it knocked me on my ass. You know, so at least you kind of know what you're ingesting. Uh when you drink alcohol, as opposed to marijuana, where it's it's a real mystery, at least for a novice. I guess if you know what you're doing. Well, I guess the edibles, you can tell how many milligrams is in there, but I even feel like those are different. You know, five milligrams of gummies is different than five milligrams of uh, something besides gummies. I'm tired. I'm going to need you to finish some of these thoughts for me. I was writing in my book today and the the, uh, the, uh, the part I was looking at it was talking about how fragile comedy is. And uh, in the sense that comedy is like very simple. What you need to make it work is like a light amplification and, you know, an attentive audience. So in that way, it's really simple, but it's like, it's super fragile. If any of those things are off, you know, it's not like music where, you know, there's music playing at a wedding. People are talking, people are dancing. There's, you don't, if comedy's playing at a wedding, I actually just booked a wedding uh, to do comedy at. But, um, you know, comedy is not background. It's it's painful for the performer and for the audience to watch comedy go badly. In fact, audience members say that after the show. I was so afraid it was going to be terrible. Like, people get nervous in the audience. I hope it's not awkward, you know, because sometimes it is. But I was just, I was just at a, reading that part of my own book about how fragile comedy was. And then I went to a show tonight. <clears throat> and um, it was like the people who put on the show wanted to make it as difficult as possible. <laughs> it was at a car club. So it's this cavernous room. I mean, 100 foot tall ceilings. Uh, there's all these classic cars sitting around. Um, there's people sitting in chairs. Uh, the stage was we stood in the truck bed of a Model T Ford that was 25 feet from the nearest audience member. I actually... the. The opening act, Sam went to the Model T because that's where they told us to do. And when I was watching him, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to stand on the floor. And the sound was like 
announcements in a high school gym. Like, are you ready for comedy, comedy, comedy? I mean, there was no echo, but it was boomy. It was like, now entering the game, Gabriel Rutledge. It was that sort of sound. And, uh, you know, so the show was, under the circumstances, okay. Um, And it's actually, and also the audience was old as shit. And I'm 47, so I mean old. Like, with all those classic cars around and all the silver hairs in the audience, it really looked like we were shooting a Cialis commercial. And you're right, I probably shouldn't have opened with that. I really dug myself a hole with that one. Uh, But yeah, it was, the show was fine, but I also feel like, you know, the audience came in and they just go like, oh, that was a fun night or whatever. That was fine. I had some chuckles. You know, we couldn't even hear them chuckle because, again, the room is cavernous. But I also, you you don't know this until you do comedy. But the hardest thing in the world to do is turn a shitty show into a mediocre one. And that's what I did tonight. (laughs) It doesn't even feel as good. You know? It doesn't feel as good. And, you know, if if the show is just amazing and easy, God, it feels good. But when you really have to work just to get, to do decent, uh, even though it's harder, I don't leave feeling satisfied. I just go like, man, that was, that was something. I got a few, uh, I really enjoyed you young mans after the show. So, you know, what else are you going to do? They were well behaved, uh, which has not always been the case. I mean, look, pre-coronavirus, uh, people were not always well behaved. But I have—I've been talking to my fellow uh, joke slingers. That's—that's that's gross. I'll never say that again. Uh, I've been talking to my fellow chuckle monkeys, and uh, the just in the way that. In other aspects of life, people have lost some social skills. Comedy, uh, that is happening too. And sometimes in very weird ways. Sometimes it's just like you see a comedian do a joke and then they people just start talking to the comedian. And again, that happened before, but it's it's weirder now. It's not it's not all oh, that person's just hammered. It's just it's like they're on their couch. It's it's like they're like talking to a Netflix special, but we can hear you. You know, so there, I, I see a little bit more of that. And, and I was talking to this uh, comic in Arizona. And he said he'd been, he'd done two shows in the last few weeks where people in the audience just loudly farted. And I started laughing, one, because farts are funny, but two, that almost happened to me, but it was, uh, I've since the last three months or so I've been back full time comedy, I've done two shows where people loudly burped. Just in the middle of the show, just burp. It's like <laughs> one was a lady, one was a dude. It's like you're not working from home anymore. We can fucking hear you. You're not on mute. We don't loudly burp in public. 
So it is, it is kind of weird. People have really lost their, uh, they lost their edit button. Um, I don't know. Hopefully they'll come back. I would say uh, my fellow uh, comedians, uh, the audiences came back a little uh, socially weird. I feel like the comedians came back dark as shit. Like if I, I would do like an open mic or two, I did a show where there was like 10 comedians on there and, uh, you know, it's like, what, is this the fourth comedian of the night doing a chunk about suicide? Everyone came out dark as shit. And I actually, my theory was we were going to come out of coronavirus and comedy would go in a much lighter direction, a sillier direction. Um, and I don't, I think I might be right in the sense that's what the crowd wants, but I don't think the comedians are giving it to them yet. Uh, we'll see. I, th <laughs> I think crowds are going out to reclaim some normalcy and to uh, escape from the realities of life, a night of escapism, a night of laughter. Uh, but I do, I don't know if that's necessarily what they're going to get. <laughs> you know, when everyone's doing their one-man show called Shit I Couldn't Say When I Was Really Sad Six Months Ago. Uh, that's actually kind of funny when you can th think about, you know, there's people still talking to me who are like, this is my first time I've gone out anywhere besides the grocery store, since March. A little bit less, but like especially a couple months ago. But it, it's funny to think about. Tonight's the night. Global pandemic. I finally got the vaccine. There's a little bit of hope. You know what? Let's go to the comedy show. Yeah, and then the first comedian up is like, yeah, I tried to kill myself six months ago, but I got so fat during coronavirus, I couldn't find a vein. Anyway, enjoy our drink specials. <laughs> like, oh, God. Let's go back home and peek out the curtains while the delivery driver comes. This was a terrible idea. Today, uh, jumping Joe Biden uh, said we don't have to wear our mask if we're vaccinated in many places. Well, he didn't say it. The CDC said it. Um... Uh, I don't know what that's going to change because I think the businesses are still going to have some requirements. Um, and in the Washington State's governor said he's trying, everything's phase three again, numbers be damned, and they have all these plans for full reopening and shit by the end of June. Or I, just, I was thinking about this today. First, I was thinking this. I don't, I'm happy for all these things. I'm happy. You don't have to wear your mask. I'm happy we get to go to places again. Uh, <laughs> I'm happy for all of it because I'm just sick of the life we've all had. Well, I won't speak for you. The life I've had. I'm at the point I want to go back to most the most normal possible because uh, not because I'm looking at numbers every day and I'm 
looking at charts and I have some sort of medical or science knowledge or I'm even reading what that medical or science knowledge is. My very uh, uneducated, uninformed opinion right now is, fuck it, I'm done. Uh, but I also, it's just, there's so many things that don't make sense. There's so many things that don't, um, you know, the states that were kind of wide open for a long time are not any worse than the states that shut down. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, uh, the whole world was locked down when fucking no one had it. And then we got to do more stuff when more people had it. None of it, you know, I'm not judging because I, that's the second thing I was thinking about all this is I actually feel bad for government. I mean, I like, I like bitching about government. I pay my taxes. Um, but, you know, it's, it's funny because the, our expectations of government are perhaps too high in the sense that this is like coronavirus. No one saw coming except for some smart people, but they, you know, it's not like they were all in Congress or president or governors or, um, so it's like this new thing we all have to deal with. And there's no, there's no, um, like, oh, well, this happened 10 years ago. We know what to do. There's none of that. We're, everything's a scramble. Everything's, everyone's freaking the fuck out. No one knows what to do. Uh, but if you just look at any comments under any governor of any state, <laughs> if they're like, you know, because today Governor Jay Inslee of Washington State was like, you know, we're making all these reopening plans. We think vaccines are working. We're going to hit these numbers. We're looking for full reopening by certain dates. And it's just no one is happy. No one is happy. Conservatives are like, fuck you. You should have done this a long time ago. Or they say, oh, so in order to reopen, we have to get a vaccine. Is that the kind of power you need, Jay Inslee? It's like, wait a minute. Last week you said he was never, ever going to let people stop wearing masks, and now he's saying you can stop wearing your mask if you're vaccinated, and now you just switched it to a new goalpost. The other side, because somehow this, somehow health became political, the other side, oh, Jay Inslee, you're killing people. How dare you do this? People are still dying. If you reopen things, you know, you'll have blood on your hands. What a job. What kind of egomaniac would want to be in charge of a state or a town, let alone a country? I don't even want to be in charge of my house. And it's also like, I know we don't want government to be like our parent, but they kind of are. And if everyone in my house is really happy with me, if all of my kids are really happy with me, that doesn't mean I'm doing a good job. There should be times they're not happy with me because I'm not letting them do something they want to do. And I don't know. Again, coronavirus is confusing. I don't know. It's never been worse anywhere ever than it is in India right now. But here, 
we're like, open, open it up. Here we go. You know, I was looking at Canada. You know, Canada has had 24,000 people die total from coronavirus. And there's way less people in Canada. But even if I think you do the math, it's like half the death rate of America. Uh, so does that mean they did a better job? Because they definitely, they're not even opening up. All my Canadian comedian friends are not even, they're still doing Zoom shows. They're not allowed to perform. They're not opening up yet. And that's, I don't know, maybe that's why less people have died. So would you say Canada has done a better job? Or would you say they were too shut down? You know, it depends on your perspective. And some of these things we just won't know the answer to. You know, what if, you know, I see things that are like, if we would have shut down everything a month earlier, we could have avoided the whole thing. And then, you know, I see things that are like, if we hadn't shut down at all, we'd be exactly where we are right now. I don't know. I don't know the truth. I just know that when you're in charge of something, as big as trying to protect Trying to protect from a pandemic and also keep the economy going. I don't, I mean, that's a no-win situation. I don't, I don't think a governor of any state is popular right now. <laughs> There's not one governor who's popular. Because, you know, they either have to be like, we're going back to phase two, or we're going to phase three, or we're doing this, and there's a mask mandate, or there's not a mask mandate. and It's just, uh, it's crazy. It's crazy that anyone would even want that responsibility. And uh, I will be removing my name from the ballot for Washington State Governor. I'm out. I'm voting for Caitlyn Jenner. Caitlyn Jenner, I'm literally rambling. I'm not drunk. I'm just exhausted. Caitlyn Jenner was so funny. She tried to tell a relatable story about why people are leaving California on the on the interview. And she was like, oh, the guy across from me in the airplane hangar. And you're like, okay, that's not relatable. We don't all own airplanes. I don't know. I don't know why anyone would want to be famous. <laughs> I really don't. I get the money part. I get the money part. But go government's famous, but they don't even get that much money. I think you kind of have to have money before you're in government, but I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't want the scrutiny. I wouldn't want the, not that I think I have that much to hide, but it's just, you know, even, even in my, people above my level, way above my level, but you know, John Mulaney, who sneakily is like one of the most famous people in the world, kind of, or maybe just America. You know, he's a massive comedy star. But, you know, he goes to rehab, everyone's rooting for him, he gets out, he's getting a divorce. Everyone's like, what? By everyone, I mean the internet. 
And then he says he's dating Olivia Munn or some, I don't even know. Not even positive who that is. I know it's a famous person. And everyone, what? Well, he must have been dating her before. That's why he's getting, who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? You know three people at your job who are having affairs right now. Who gives a shit what John Mulaney does? I'm not even saying he had an affair. I'm just saying if he did, I don't give a shit. I don't care. I, it's not our business. I don't understand. Our society is uh, allegedly so open and so, you know, you can be any gender you want, no matter what you were born, and you can be any sexuality you want. There's a whole spectrum. and But then all of a sudden, for famous people, Puritan values. Well, I hope he didn't step outside the bounds of holy matrimony. Who gives a fuck? I mean, sure, I suppose it's sad when anyone gets divorced. But like, you know, I don't know. They don't have kids. That's all I give a shit about. <laughs> I mean, not that you're not allowed to get divorced if you have kids, but I just mean, look, two people who were in love, it didn't work out. They're going to do other shit now. Who cares? Also, why is anyone surprised? Wait. The guy who was a drug addict also had a marriage that was struggling? <laughs> what are the odds? I guess what I'm saying is, John Mulaney, if you need a place to crash till the shit blows over, you know, come to Olympia. Have sex with my wife. That would be good for my career. Uh... <laughs> I don't know if she'll be into it. I should, I, you know what, John, I spoke too soon. I got to run that past her. So sorry. Also, we don't have a guest bedroom. Um, we have a shed. We have a garage. Uh, our neighbor Isla has a guest bedroom you could stay in. Rent-free. You just got to open her tomato soup cans. A uh, couple times a week, I'm up to like a couple times a week. If I go outside, our neighbor Isla will be like, hello. I'm like, yeah. She'll be like, can you help me open this tomato can? I'm starving. And it's just like, it's one of those pullbacks, but she has arthritis. And I don't know. I mean, I think you could still use a can opener. I don't know. It doesn't go well for her. But when John Mulaney lives there, it'll work out. He owes us nothing. If you're the world's biggest John Mulaney fan, he doesn't owe you anything. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't have to stay married to the person that he made jokes about and said he loves. And You know, I understand. I understand the feeling. I remember when Neil Young got divorced. I'm, you know, I'm not... Uh, I guess I'm a Neil Young fan, but like... I don't know enough to go that deep, but I like Neil Young. 
But I knew, you know, he'd been with the same woman forever. I knew they had a couple of, like, special needs children. So that made me root for him. Uh, and they were married for forever, and they got a divorce. And I, I, you know, it's not my fucking business. Neil Young owes me nothing. But my first reaction was like, oh, shit. What? And then now he's with Daryl Hannah. Star of Splash. <laughs> and other things. Probably more recent. But again, it's not my business. Maybe Neil Young's ex-wife is the worst person in the world. <laughs> Maybe John Mulaney's wife is a raving lunatic. Maybe John Mulaney is a terrible person. I don't know. Who gives a shit? Even if they're not famous. I've in friend circles and school communities, you know, people will get divorced and so-and-so. Uh cheated on so-and-so and people talk like oh I ran into so-and-so and I didn't even want to talk to him because I know what he did to so-and-so and it's like I don't I'm not gonna stop <laughs> that's between them that's between them I'm not saying it's okay to cheat but I'm supposed to avoid talking to an acquaintance because they may have had sex with someone they weren't supposed to Life's messy. Life's messy as fuck, man. I think I've known two people in my life who got married and their relationship started with an affair. One of the other people was married. And then there was an affair and then, you know, the marriage fell apart. These people have been together for like 20, 30 years. I think two, pe two people, maybe not 20, 30, but, you know, a, a long run. I can think of two people I know that that has happened to. How long am I supposed to stay mad? <laughs> can I start talking to people when they've been married 10 years? When the affair got serious? It's just not my fucking business. I don't... I can't get hung up on who's having sex with who. I have more important things to judge people by. Like, you know, if they take a FaceTime call without headphones. Way worse than adultery. Way worse. Uh, I'm going to guess uh, John Mulaney will have some hilarious stand-up comedy material about getting divorced, about going to rehab, you know. And everyone will love him again. I think they still love him, but it's, 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 I don't know. It's weird. Kevin Hart got cheating. What was that, a couple years ago? He was making, like, public apologies. Like, I'm so sorry, I let down. And it's like, yeah, you need to make some apologies, obviously, to your wife, but I don't know. To me, it was it's just sort of embarrassing. Like, you don't. Oh, your fucking fans anything, Kevin Hart? You don't have to tell Twitter, sorry I fucked around on my wife. Weird. It did get me thinking, though, um, if 
a comedian that if they had an affair or did something like that that would like really be shocking. <laughs> uh, a famous one. Uh, I think Jim Gaffigan would be a real shock. Because he's like, you know, they have like 90 kids. They're Catholic. I think that would that would be a shocking one if it was like Jim Gaff. There's like pictures of Jim Gaffigan with like coke coming out of his nose at some party with sex workers. I think that one would be uh, Hot Pocket Star. Cotton sex sting. Or what if this would be like a really crazy controversy? What if like there was um what if like Bill Cosby got caught raping a bunch of people? <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean he was so family friendly. It'd be such a shock. How about that? I'll judge that. I'll judge convicted rapist Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby also had a kid out of wedlock. Uh, guess what? Don't care about that. I don't care about that. You know, when there's true evil in the world, we're going to get hung up on what consenting adult's genitals entered another consenting adult's genitals. And whether or not someone else was upset that happened. I can't, that's, no. That's silly time. It's not silly if it's your relationship. It's just silly if you feel like John Mulaney let you down. Because you weren't fucking John Mulaney. None of us were. I don't know that. I'm assuming. John Mulaney is the first comedian my son ever said, hey, have you ever worked with John Mulaney? Like, he never has asked me any um, questions about my career, really, as far as who I worked with or anything like that. But a couple years ago, he was like, you ever worked with John Mulaney? I'm like, no. Um, but last night, I woke up my son. He was sleeping in, but I woke him up, and I said, John Mulaney's a piece of shit. He's getting divorced. He's been doing cocaine for years, and he's fucking Olivia Munn now. That's why I never worked with him. Now go back to sleep. That's what I should do. I'm tired. I should have done this in the morning. I drink a reasonable amount of alcohol an unreasonable amount of times. You know who'd be able to tell that joke? John Mulaney. What can't he do besides cocaine and monogamy? What can't he do? Uh, thanks to the uh, Rutledge Revelers, people who support this podcast on a monthly basis. You're all good people. If you would like to do that in the episode notes, it says support this podcast. Click on it for as little as 99 cents a month. You can change the life.
of one to two people. Uh, I am. Oh, I don't have my calendar in front of me. Where am I going to be? I'm going to hold on. Got my calendar. Uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to be uh, in Las Vegas, Nevada, May 19 to 23 at Brad Garrett's Comedy Club. Um, well, I'm in Olympia, but that one's sold out. I think I'm in Monroe, Washington, May 29th. Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, June 4 and 5. Missoula, Montana, June 6. Uh, GabrielRutledge.com has all my comedy dates. Thanks for listening. I dropped my phone. Show's over. We're done. Bye.